Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. One of the challenges of traveling is managing your money. If you're tired of getting crushed by bank fees and exchange rates, you need to check out wise.com. I have been a customer for over 10 years. This is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. It's been essential for me first as a traveler, then later as a digital nomad and an expat living abroad, running a business from around the world. You get one account, which allows you to send, spend, and convert money internationally, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. You can join 16 million customers, learn how the Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to Wise for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. Everything is an adventure. Why? That's a great motto to live by in today's show. Plus, how does travel play into the things we do later in life? Or how can it? My guest today shares how travel impacted his life and helped him become an all-star journalist, somebody who's interviewed some of the biggest icons of our time. Get ready to get inspired. It's all happening right now. Thanks for being here and Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so much for hanging out, spending a little time with me today, letting me bring a little travel into your ears. This, of course, is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. How much can travel change your life? It's impossible to know, of course, because we'll never be able to remove ourselves from the travel experiences that we've had because they are part of who we are. But I'm continually amazed to discover how much travel impacts people's lives, not just while they're doing it, but for the rest of their lives. And my guest today exemplifies this concept and it got me very inspired. And I know it'll do the same for you for a couple of reasons. First of all, As you'll hear, he didn't know it at the time, but by choosing travel, he set himself up for tremendous success in his field later in life. But more importantly, maybe that success stems from just being fulfilled and living an exciting life and making travel a part of that because it's something you want to do. And there are so many people out there that might say, hey, travel is a waste of time or you should be building your career or you know, there might be naysayers in your life. They might even be close friends or family. But the bottom line is the more conversations I have, the more I think about my own personal experience with travel and how it shaped me. I realize that you can't just separate it as this thing that doesn't count or doesn't matter or maybe isn't contributing to your life in this certain way because it's all intertwined, right? And that's why concepts 
such as fate and serendipity and intuition can inevitably come up during these chats. And you're going to hear us touch on some of those subjects today and much more. I can't wait for you to eavesdrop on this conversation, which I was so excited to have. Before we get into it, a couple things. First, just want to thank Tortuga Backpacks for supporting today's show. You want to get my favorite travel backpack? Just go to zerototravel.com slash Tortuga and you can see everything I recommend right there. And you can also get 10% off anything on that site if you enter the promo code TRAVEL. Just the word TRAVEL when you check out. You can definitely remember that word. I know that. And get 10% off anything you order over there. And you're going to see the backpacks that I use when I'm traveling, whether it's three weeks, three months, or three years. You can definitely get anywhere you want to go and have everything you need with the Tortuga backpacks. Zero to travel.com slash Tortuga. Promo code TRAVEL, get 10% off. It's a product I use and love, and they've been supporting the show for a long time, and I've been using their backpacks for a long time, so I really appreciate that they're a part of this. And if you decide to pick anything up over there, you'll also be supporting today's show. And by the way, if you have any questions about packing or any questions regarding these backpacks or anything travel-related at all, you can always get in touch. Jason at zero2travel.com is my email. You know I love hearing from listeners, whether it's on the reviews or wherever you listen to podcasts or through email or whatever, it's always a pleasure to hear from you. And this listening community just keeps growing. And I want to remind you, as I do in almost every show, this is a community-powered show. I create this show for you. That means you get to tell me what to do. You're in charge of this show. This is your show. So if there are certain guests you want me to have on or topics you want me to cover, I will do my best to serve you, to accommodate you. And of course, to help you travel more. One last thing before we get into today's chat, stick around with me. I'm going to give one of you listeners out there a shout out later on. And also, we're going to talk about this idea of everything being an adventure. The statement, the little motto I post at the top of the show, everything is an adventure. And that was inspired by my guest today. Let's get into that conversation I had right now. And I will see you on the other side, my friend. My guest today is an award-winning journalist, a New York Times bestselling author, and a legendary interviewer. As a writer-at-large for Esquire Magazine's What I've Learned column, he shared life lessons from his conversations with notable actors, athletes, musicians, TV personalities, world leaders, and any other category of human you can possibly think of. I'm talking about people like Mikhail Gorbachev, Bruce Springsteen, Leonardo DiCaprio, Serena Williams, just to name a few. And now he can also add podcaster to his bio on his podcast, Big Questions with Cal Fussman. He uncovers the heart, head, and soul of his guests in thoughtful, deep, and entertaining conversations. It's my new favorite podcast, and I'm not just saying that because I'm looking right at him. Today, we're going to chat about his decade as a nomad traveling the world and how much that impacted his life and work, how to make authentic connections with others, and much more. You can find his work at calfussman, F-U-S-S-M-A-N.com. Cal, Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Hey, thank you so much. Beautiful introduction. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, I, there's a lot to cover, man. I, I, I couldn't possibly cover it all. You've done so much in your life. 
I love the way you threw your fist up in the air when you mentioned <laughs> the word podcast. What, like, when you first heard of a podcast, what was running through your mind? First are we, time. Are we turning the tables already? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's why it's called a conversation, right? I think that's that's what I loved about podcasts right away. It was more just a conversation that people shared. And I always listen to audiobooks, not always, but I just I like learning on the go. And I came up with this idea and I just thought I talked about it forever. And then a friend of mine that's in one of my business mastermind groups, she just said, Jason, I'm so sick of hearing you talk about this. Why don't you just do it? It's the thing that has changed my life more than anything. And I mean, as you know, being somebody who's had conversations with, I don't know, I don't know if you've counted how many, it's almost like selfishly, it's the ultimate self-development tool, right? Like you get to soak up all this knowledge, you get to learn so much from people, but then we also have the privilege of getting to share that and allow others to take some of those lessons and implement them in their, in their own lives. So I just think it's just such an amazing thing that you can do this and you don't need permission, you know? I, I think you hit it on the head. And it was unexpected to me when I started Big Questions that it would be a tool for self-improvement because everything in my past, writing for Esquire magazine, interviewing icons of shape, world history, was sort of about what they've learned. But in the conversational format of a podcast, you're able to put yourself out there and say, hey, I didn't quite understand how to get the most of myself in this area. And you can get help, like real-time help. I mean, I was just with a, a Navy SEAL, former commander of Navy SEALs, Jocko Willink, and he was telling me about how my life would have been different had I gone through basic training in the military. And he comes out with this, these thoughts about vulnerability and humility and mm -hmm. attacking your weaknesses in order to make yourself a better person. And at the end of an hour and a half, I'm a different person. And that's like the power of a podcast. Yeah. I've definitely had some mini awakenings, I guess, in the middle of an interview or a conversation where, I mean, you can't help it because you're, you're listening to somebody and you're having this conversation and, you know, it's this tricky thing because you're trying to facilitate it, but at the same time, there's no way that it's not going to impact you and certain things just really hit home. I was wondering if you've ever had any type of extreme mini awakenings in the middle of an interview that were transformative that kind of threw you off. You're like, oh, wait, holy crap. This is, <laughs> this is hitting me. Happening in the podcast. Yeah. Every week I'll be sitting down with Melanie Whelan, CEO of SoulCycle. And I don't know how to run a business or start a business. I've been a writer for decades. And all of a sudden I get this podcast and now it's got to go out and there are people in Mongolia listening to it. I mean, we got, they get a map. It shows you where people are listening. And this blows me away. And so we're talking and I'm asking her about how do you turn journalism into a business? Because when I was educated as a kid or in college, basically I was told there's a line in the sand here. 
If you're asking the questions, you're writing the stories, then you don't sell what you do. You stay on your side of the line and we'll have people that do the selling for you. And basically you're saying, you're, like, you're never going to be a millionaire, but you're going to get to do what you love. Well, the world changed and all of a sudden there's no more line in the sand. Basically, if you want to go out and create content, you've got to figure out a way to get that to people who are interested in it. So we're talking and she said, well, you got to know your listeners. And I have no idea who my listeners are. I have no idea where they are. I just They're in Mongolia, Cal, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) Yes. You have to go ride a horse now across the steeps of Mongolia to to chat with them and do some survey work. (laughs) I've been thinking about this. And so she says to me, you got to know who your listeners are, when they're listening to you, where they're listening to you. And she said, do you know who our competitors are? And I said, "I, I don't know. And she said, this may surprise you. Netflix. And I'm thinking Soul Cycle, Netflix. <laughs> but when you think about it, if somebody's sitting on their couch watching something great on Netflix, they can't be in Soul Cycle. Yeah. That's true, yeah. Time is the biggest commodity. Th- there you go. So that's the way she had to be thinking and she taught me to think that way. And she taught me w- what I started to do was to say on the podcast, hey, you know, wherever you are out there, send me a photo of the city or town where you are listening to big questions. And you know what? People start to send these photos. And it's wild. You got people like picking fruits in Luxembourg with their earplugs in. I'm saying, my God. And this is very much... I know you want to go back to when I traveled around the world for 10 years. Not at all. I have no agenda. Okay. Well, (laughs) this is tied to that because basically what happened when I was in my early 20s, I started out wanting to write for newspapers and magazines. And by 22, maybe 23, I basically achieved everything I set out to do. And then this wonderful magazine that I was working at, which had all the stars, the literary stars of the day working there. It was just the best place to be because after work, you'd go to the bar and you'd be hanging out with the gonzo journalist, Hunter S. Thompson, throwing back shots. And it went out, this place went out of business. And I didn't know how I would replicate this experience because Oh, the other magazine seemed like jobs. This magazine every day was an event. Right. right. Plus you're 23 so, years old. So that, that changes the context as well, right? <laughs> it, 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 completely. And so I'm thinking, all right, what am I going to do? And that's when I said, you know what? Maybe I should take some time off and travel, just clear my head. And so I called up my mom and dad and I, I said to my mom, you know, thinking of just taking a little while off, go out and see the world. And she said, oh, that's a wonderful idea. Little did you know when she said it, I wasn't coming back for 10 years. <laughs> but you probably understand it. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's going. It, that's when you started, when you were 23. 
That's exactly when I started. Okay. And here's the thing. Uh, you know, I'd been interviewing as a journalist, but this trip actually was what really taught me how to interview. And there was a good reason for it. Uh, it's because I can break the reason down to four words. I had no money. Well, maybe a little money, but not much. So basically, I would go on trains and buses. And I don't know if you can do that now, do this now, uh, because people got their ears plugged, listen to podcasts. But back then, I would get on, go to a train station, bus station, I'd buy a ticket to the next destination, didn't matter where it was going. What mattered to me was the trip down the aisle. So I'm walking down this aisle, and I'm looking for an empty seat empty seat next to somebody who looks interesting, somebody I can trust, somebody who might be able to trust me. And I got to choose just the right empty seat. Because once I sit in that empty seat, that train's going to start rolling. And once it starts rolling, the conversation's going to get going. By the end of that conversation, by the end of that trip, I needed the person sitting next to me to invite me home. Yeah, yeah. You needed a place uh, to sleep. <laughs> I had no money to spend night after night yeah. in hotels. And so basically that's how I got started on traveling. And then people would invite me home, especially in places, say, behind what was then called the Iron Curtain. Uh, it was just a different time. And I was kind of exotic and people wanted to show me off to their friends and their neighbors and their distant relatives. And then they would want me to come to their house and they would want me to see their relatives. And so I started to be passed from dinner table to dinner table to dinner table. And this just took me all around the world. Now, what's kind of interesting now is I had the back end of the bookend about two and a half, three years ago, where I have gone through that travel stage and I met a woman on a bus headed to the most beautiful beach in Brazil. We got married. We got three kids. Two of them are off in college. The third one's about to go. And so now... It's time for me to like, get back on the road. And I've gone through a speaking career that just started about two years ago, which enables me to get out there again. And so I am looking at maybe a 30 or 40 year trip around the world. Wow. <laughs> right in front of me, brother. I mean, are you getting those... Uh those old feelings back from being on the road? Cause I found a million percent. Yeah. You get it. You get on the plane that the difference is it's a little different now. When I have traveled like to speak, yeah. the bookings are already set up. Yeah. There's a, there's a driver <laughs> waiting to you, take me to the hotel. You don't have to get, you don't have to get the driver to take you home. They just take you to the hotel. <laughs> there's, you know, they got the placard, you know, Cal Fussman, and then you go straight to the to the car and they take me to a hotel. There are people waiting for me. Yeah. But but I always look for time 
to go to some place that you wouldn't ordinarily expect to go if you're traveling to that country. Because I start to meet people and I ask them, all right, what's the place to go that if I had come here on a plane as a tourist, I would never know about. So I'm slowly getting back into the rhythm. Uh, but this is going to heat up pretty quick. And I feel so liberated by it. And it's the ability to now use the spoken word as a platform, the podcast as a platform, and speaking in front of live audiences as a platform that is going to enable me to take travel to a level I didn't have it before. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, you give me chills because I'm, I'm sort of where you were a little while back. Right before this interview, I was actually changing my one-month son's old poopy diaper. (laughs) (laughs) My wife said, do you want me to do it? And I said, no, you know, I'm I'm nervous to chat with Cal. I want to do a good job. This is like the perfect thing I need to do right now is just change this poopy diaper. (laughs) And you know what? I was sitting there just, this is the most important job I have to do right now is to take care of these kids, right? So, I mean, you've raised three. Any advice, I'm all ears. (laughs) Well, my advice would be to let your wife change the diaper, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Good advice, my friend. <laughs> oh, man, I, I, I was very moved by the fact that it is the most important thing. You're right. And if here, here's one thing I'm going to tell you about. All right. And I just had one of my daughters come back, did an internship for a company in China. Just came back. Was there all summer. She's uh, going to be a senior in college this year. Had a great time. I completely understood the, the travel thing and like ate all these exotic foods, went to all these great places. And I was saying to her, you know, like you're 21. When I was 21, I had not yet been out of the country yet. And already you've gone to China. And then I started to list the places that I took her to when she was very young. They've been to England and Hungary, Czech Republic and Portugal and Spain. And, and she said, ah, those don't count. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? I took you to all these places. <laughs> no, no, I'm too young to remember. And there's something there that you should be cognizant of. And maybe part of it, like here I am, I just, I can remember showing the kids like we were passing big ben and i'm like point there's big ben there's big ben you know they they would have rather been on like a (laughs) disney cruise right it didn't matter yeah (laughs) you you never know because the, the reality is maybe the stuff that i planted in those trips right (laughs) it's the reason that she was able to go over to China and drink uh, fly juice, juice made out of flies, Uh, that grasshopper, eating grasshoppers, that she was open to that. So I don't even know what I'm telling you because if I was doing it all over again, part of me was thinking, you know what, maybe I should have just gone on a Disney (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> have the time of their lives 
uh, instead, like I'm taking them to these places and I'm showing them these sites that they've completely forgotten. Yeah, but you're getting to enjoy them too and, and, and have that moment with them. I, you know, this is reminding me of when you had the conversation with Kobe on your podcast, which I listened to recently. He was talking about when he was a kid and he would throw rocks on his bike and try to hit that pole, I guess. And he did the same thing in, in, the, in that big game. And, you know, it, I, I know equating that to travel and what you're talking about, maybe there's something there, right? Like you never know when that Big Ben moment might be... <laughs> might be utilized, you know, in 15 years or something. Yeah. And it's now that you're mentioning it, I take it back. I'm glad <laughs> I did. I mean, I can recall driving through Iowa, like in the middle of the summer, and you're just seeing corn and fields and there's some grazing cows. And, and I just wanted to like, shake it up to, to get them to understand, you know what? This is different. You don't get this back at home. And I remember uh, just like shouting in Portuguese, Vaca de Iowa, Vaca de Iowa, like a cow from Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it had me like, what, what, what's going on with my dad? <laughs> I, I just wanted to enthuse, just, pass on my enthusiasm for being able to wake up in the morning, meet somebody new every day, see something that you haven't seen before, and the joy that that can bring to your life. You know, I still get blown away by the fact that you can get on a plane and then you get off the plane and people are speaking different languages and you have all these different smells on the street. And it it still blows my mind to this day. Um, I I wanted to ask you something that's kind of the reverse because you talked about traveling with your kids and giving them that experience and wanting to share that enthusiasm. I'm wondering how it was for you because my, one of my first memories when I was nine years old, travel related, although it wasn't travel too much. I grew up outside of Philadelphia in the suburbs and my parents took me up to New York City and I know you grew up in Long Island and you know what it's like to go into Manhattan, especially you know, I mean, it's always changing like any city, but I just remember just such an incredible mix of people, all the sounds, the yelling, you know, people negotiating on the street, gay, you know, selling things. I just, the humanity, you see humanity that is New York, right? And I really think, because I was thinking about this, I think that was the first time I kind of realized, whoa, there's a lot more stuff out there outside of the suburbs of Philadelphia that I don't know about. And I'm wondering if you had like some kind of experience like that with your parents or what, what was the relationship to travel with your parents in, during your childhood? Did you guys go places or how did that work for you? Uh, the, there was travel, but it was very local. Uh, so we might've gone to upstate New York and stayed at a very nice uh, hotel uh, that allowed you to play basketball and tennis and that was an annual vacation. So what it, when it really hit me is when I started to take off around the world, I started in Europe with some friends. And everything immediately was very cool because it was different. So you go to Oktoberfest in Munich and... You're all around the table, everybody's singing, 
and the iron-armed waitress has got six of these huge beer steins. I don't know if you've ever seen, I mean, these things like weigh about eight pounds each filled with beer. And you just, she's got like six in each hand and just throwing them down on the table. And so I got a feeling of, oh, this is good. This is good. Uh, but where it really hit me that you are in a different place was when as the friends that I was with had taken off and I headed for Egypt. Okay. And I landed in Cairo. By yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And like went downtown and got caught in this maze of traffic where there were cars and camels and goats and and this lamb <laughs> is born like in the middle of the street as the traffic is going wow, really <laughs> yeah and, and I'm in the middle of the street too just like trying to figure all this out right and yeah I look around and I said yeah this ain't Kansas anymore. <laughs> oh, now I'm traveling. <laughs> yeah. And and then that was, you know, kept on being repeated yeah. over and over and over again in different places and different ways. But the beauty of waking up and not knowing who you're going to meet, what you're going to learn, what you're going to see, that's just magical to me. And when I, when I traveled, I very rarely like had an itinerary that was set up. Okay. At two o'clock, I'm going to go to the Louvre in Paris and see the Mona Lisa. It just, everything was much more based around the people that I was going to bump into and where they were going to take me. Maybe different now as I go around the world, because there may be things I hear about and want to see. And that it was starting to happen like that toward the end of my first trip around the world, because people would start telling me, oh, when you go to Brazil, you got to go see Jetaquaquata, this amazing beach. So I always knew, okay, you get to Brazil, got to go there. Right. And that's a beautiful way to do it, because you find people that are kindred spirits and then you hear what they liked and then you got an idea. Okay. I'm going to like that too. Yeah. It's really organic once you get into the flow of it, I think. And from the conversations I've had on the podcast and just with other travelers traveling around, cause I was always endlessly fascinated by, you know, if I ran into you on one of those trains, I would be like, well, how, you know, how are you doing it? Where are you staying? Where have you been? I would have just peppered you with a million questions because that, it's just uh, really cool to hear how people are traveling the world. And, and I've heard very often, this is true for my, myself as well, and I'm wondering if it's true for you, that um, solo travel has, has been a very impactful thing in my life because being on your own is, is a much different animal, I think, than, than having other people to lean on and things like that. What is your experience with solo travel in terms of maybe in terms of how it maybe shaped you as a person later on? Well, to me, travel is solo travel. Uh, when I was traveling with other people, it became 
very different. Uh, because now you've got issues. One person wants to go left, one person wants to go right. They can start, even if they don't get into an argument, you could see that one person doesn't feel good about going in the other direction. And my feeling was traveling alone just enabled me to meet somebody who was going to take me into their world. And I was going to get to discover their world. And so that's what travel was about to me, plain and simple. Uh, if I was with, and there were times where there were groups of people that I joined, but it was relatively short, fun, and then I got back on my own. Uh, it, for instance, once you made friends, then you might pop into the city where they lived and they'd put you up and it's still even then you're in you're in their world whereas if you're traveling with people who are traveling it's going to be much harder to be taken in by a family if you if you got four people with you it's much different for a family to say hey y'all why, why don't you all come over for dinner and stay for the weekend as opposed to one person it becomes something special and extraordinary. So that's why I advise solo. But on the other hand, I don't know that I would say that if I was female, uh, just because it, it may be different for females. I, I don't know. On the other hand, one of the toughest people I ever met was a woman from Amsterdam. Uh, and I met her while we were traveling around Egypt. And it was amazing because she was constantly harassed. Uh, she had like long blonde hair. So her, she was the ultimate exotic uh, bird to everybody there. And so everybody was coming up to her, pushing in on her. Uh, if she wanted to go to the beach and, uh, and swim, she would immediately be surrounded by men who wanted to touch her. And she had this way of just like repelling people, letting them know, you know, this is my space, get out of it. And at the same time, could be very friendly and meet people. And I really respected that, but I, I saw how difficult it was. And, and again, I'm talking many, many years ago when this happened, but I also bumped into travelers who, I, the, the culture was too much for them and they ended up like in a hotel room, just waiting for the time. They just enough. freaked out. <laughs> yeah. It's very hard because everybody's experience is going to be different. And a lot of the experience is going to be how you look when you're walking down the street. How do you look frightened? Do you look welcoming? Do you look happy? Uh, what was always amazing to me, there is something about constantly traveling that enabled me to almost look like I belonged in any place I was. And so wherever I was, people would come up to me and ask in a different language, how do I get to this place? That's the ultimate compliment when you're a traveler, right? <laughs> yeah, people thought that. Like I was a local either 
a local in terms of, well, maybe I was somebody who came from a foreign country, but it looked like I knew the place or that I was actually born in this place. And this would happen repeatedly where people would approach me like this. And, you know, half the time I couldn't understand what they were saying. Uh, but it, wa it was, I always looked at it as a compliment. You're right. Now, like what got you to start this podcast, to start this website where you're basically helping people to figure out how to travel, how to vlog? And I mean, this, this, is, this is really beautiful things you're doing here. <laughs> Thank you. For all of the reasons that that you've said why you love travel, I think, were the reasons why I started this because, you know, I, I share that same enthusiasm for that. I also, we have some things in common because I lived a decade on the road nomadically as well. So we had that weird number. And also, I met my wife in Brazil, funny enough, <laughs> which is kind uh, of another weird coincidence. You're in um, Brazil. Uh, well, I met her in a hostel in Rio in Ipanema. So that was our first encounter. But then... Yeah, we were out of touch for four years, then we reconnected, and that's a that's a whole other story, I guess. But it's always a two and a half hour when you meet a woman <laughs> in Brazil. Yeah, I mean, well, you met your wife on on a bus to that beach in Brazil, right? I mean, I might as well get into that a little bit because I I did want to hear because I know my experience, but since we both have to have this in common, I'm wondering what you were thinking when you were approaching her, and what what was the first thing you said? Like, did you? think, oh, this could be my future wife? Or what was, what was the story there? <laughs> so this is what happens. So I left the United States. People in the magazine industry knew I'm a magazine writer. Yeah. Knew I was traveling. And to be honest, I didn't write very much while I was traveling around the world. I would only write when I needed more funds. And occasionally I'd go back to the United States, see my family, write a story or two, and then go out on the road. I wasn't using my experience around the world as a vlog. In fact, it was the exact opposite. I didn't even take a camera with me. And there were no cell phones back then. Right. Uh, for me, the experience was a completely authentic. I didn't even like want to pose with people, which... Now I look back, it was so stupid. <laughs> you wish it, you had some pictures from then. <laughs> photos, like addresses of people. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just kind of took me to their house. And I went around with them for a few days. And then I was gone. And so I didn't look at it the way people would look at it now as like creating a network. But what happened is I'm traveling through South America, I'm in Bolivia, and I get a call from the Washington Post Sunday Magazine. I said, Cal, we're doing a story on beaches around the world. Uh, we know you've been to Brazil before. Is there any like, beach in Brazil that you would like to write about that's like really great? And I said, you know, I heard about this beach named Jericoacoara. I didn't, I haven't ever been there. And, you know, I doubt that you're going to want me to write about it. It's like the most beautiful beach in the world, but it's not near Rio. It's not near Sao Paulo. It's way up by the equator. It would take days for people to reach it. 
And from what I'm told, just getting there requires like a crude sailing vessel and you got to ride on mule back. And I even heard that like they don't accept money there. You go with a sack of rice on your shoulder and use it to barter with a fisherman (laughs) to have them put up a hammock in front of their shack and allow you to sleep. And also they'll cook for you. I have this romantic image of this place in my head, but I'm saying like nobody is going to travel to this place. There's no hotels there. So why would you want to write about? And the editor is a very smart guy. He says, you know what? Why don't you just, just go and check it out? And then let us know. So I go, it's uh, beginning. We're talking, we're, we're going way back here. It was like 1987. And I get to the closest city, which is Fortaleza. And when I arrive, it's like fate has just reached down and started the first travel agency with trips to Jericoacoara. Don't need a crude sailing vessel. Don't need a mule. A bus is going to leave Friday night, midnight. Go for a few hours and then you will have sand or dune buggies to take you the rest of the way because this place is sort of like the most beautiful sand dunes in the Sahara set next to the most crystalline waters of the Caribbean. So I get one of the last tickets and I'm feeling really good. I got a few days to wait. Uh, Friday arrives, I'm all set. Little do I know that that morning, a woman in Brazil calls up the travel agency and asks, can I get a ticket to Jericoacoara tonight? And the guy at the agency says, ah, I'm sorry, we're, we're all sold out. This is our first trip to Jericoacoara and there was a lot, a lot of people wanted to go. And she said, but I gotta go. And he said, but there's no seats, they're all sold out. And she said, well, if somebody cancels, can I get their seat? And the guy says, absolutely. Somebody cancels, give me your number, I'll call you right back. Well, she doesn't wait for the call back. Hour later, she calls up and says, any cancellations? The guy says, no, nah, I'm sorry. Hour after that, calls back, any cancellations? No, no. Every hour, he's calling back through the afternoon, early evening, every time, she's just here and no. Finally, 10 o'clock at night, any cancellations? And the guy says, no, nah, I'm really sorry. Uh, but you know what, I can tell that you really want to go to Jericoacoara. So how about this? For half price, you can stand in the aisle. Great, she says. Gets her bags, or actually one bag, it was just a weekend trip, and heads off to the bus station. It's now midnight, board the bus, I take a seat, right in the middle, on the aisle, and just after midnight, just before the bus doors close, I see this silhouette come up the steps and start walking down the aisles. I can't really see her, I just can make out the silhouette. And she walks and walks and walks and then stops right next to me. And I look up, I still can't see her face, I can only see her silhouette, but I know, there she is. That is the woman I'm going to marry. Really, you really thought that, like right in that moment. At that wow. moment, absolutely certain of it. Wow. And so I turned to her and I said, well, would you like my seat? 
And she looked at me and said, no, and turned away. (laughs) (laughs) It obviously took her a little longer to figure out that this was going to end up in marriage. But that's (laughs) the story. Wow. Do you believe in fate? Well, moments like that make me realize that things are in front of us. Now, my eyes could have been open to that, or I could have had a book in front of me and not even noticed her. But it was dark, it was midnight, it was the start of a new adventure, and when she started coming up the steps, it just seemed like all of my attention was completely focused on her, on that silhouette. And I, I find this happening a lot of times in life, the older I get, where I meet people who are guides in a way or gurus in areas that I'm just stepping into. Now, I don't know that 30 years ago, I would have realized that. It's just that now it's almost like there's an energy that that I have to just be paying attention to these things. And maybe it comes from years of travel and having to have your eyes open. You know, there's always somebody who's gonna wanna rob you Uh, There's always somebody who's going to want to hustle you. There's always somebody who's going to want to protect you from the person who wants to hustle you. And I think traveling around the world for that amount of time gave me an intuition of who to trust and who not to trust. And so maybe it wasn't so much fate as it was my awareness to what was possible. Hmm. Travel, to me, opens up what you're talking about, that energy channel, I suppose you could call it, right? Where maybe we are more aware because we're traveling and, okay, we're in a new place, so let's pay attention. Because isn't it easier to shut down when you're on your neighborhood street and close off that energy channel sometimes? Because you just get in your routines. Like I, That happens to me a lot. And I have to sort of pay attention and be like, hey, let's let's look at this with fresh eyes. Like, let me pretend I'm a tourist in my own town, for example, or just have these like little adventures nearby. Do you find, I see you shaking I, your head. I, <laughs> no, I, I always advise people who ask me about how questions can change your life. Cause that's what I speak about. Power of questions, yeah. change your question, change your life. And one of the pieces of advice I give is, okay, you meet somebody. Why don't you imagine that it's just such serendipity that you're meeting this person and next week, just next week, you are moving to the town or city where they were born. Not only that, same block, same street, maybe next door to where you live. And you say, wow, that's a, what a coincidence, that's amazing. And now all the questions that you would naturally have about what's this place gonna be like? What am I moving into? And 
you don't have to be moving there, but you can ask the same questions. And you'll find the conversation is going to take you to a really different place. I think that being able to ask questions to people that you meet from different places, it can take you to those places without you actually even having to set foot in those places because just the conversations you're going to have, you're going to feel like you were there. If they can tell you a good story about the place, it will stick with you for the rest of your life. And maybe even much more than going to a place that actually presented something boring and you got nothing out of it. So there's a lot of, a lot of ways to travel, uh, but it's that those fresh eyes, that's the key. Figuring out ways to just keep waking up with fresh eyes. When you're on the bus or the train and, and you're walking the aisles and, and you're reading the energy and the body language and you're thinking, okay, you know, this person might take me home. No, stay away from that or whatever the case is. That's, that's one thing because then you can, you can make a different choice or you can, you can make a selection in that scenario, right? But I wanted to ask you about what you do when you're interviewing somebody and you, know, you walk into a room or maybe you're meeting them for the first time or it hasn't officially started yet. I'm not sure what your process is, but, and you feel that defensive energy or, you, or you're, you're like, okay, this is, I'm going to have to get through this. You know, this could be advice that's applicable to, to anybody, I suppose, in any situation, but, or perhaps not. I don't, I don't know what you're going to say, but I'm just wondering how you go about making a connection with somebody when their, their guard is up in, in, in a way. And I'm, I mean, you must've dealt with this in your career at some point. Well, that was what travel taught me. It enabled me to use what I'd learned on buses and trains in conversations with people who are often interviewed and may put walls up to protect themselves. And, you know, if you're going to interview, a, you know, the president of the United States, they're going to be careful about what they what they say. On the other hand, if you can make them feel that you're both on a train going someplace that you've never been before, the conversation is going to be completely different. So it's, I think, what made my interviews different from other people's is that you got that feeling that, wow, this, these people who I thought I knew because for Esquire, the people I was interviewing were people that everybody in the world knew. And they, everybody had seen Muhammad Ali. Right. Well, uh, we get nervous people, for that. I mean, <laughs> uh, no, because I wasn't nervous when I sat down on the bus or the train. Yeah. Okay. I, I saw them the way I did the people on the buses and the train. You were really able to put yourself in that, sort of emotional state. And they read that immediately. Hmm. And they responded to that. Yeah. And and so that was probably the greatest gift that travel gave me. What is your relationship to fear and failure? I made a career out of it. <laughs> How so? Well, I, I mean, things that I failed at I would then try to correct and 
write a magazine story about it and get paid for it. I never looked at fear, failure, vulnerability through a sense of shame. I looked at it through the lens of opportunity. Okay, how am I, how can I go back now and correct this? How could I master this by going to some expert who's going to show me how? And how could I write about that in a way that a magazine would want to publish it and everybody would want to read it? So it's an interesting question because not a lot of people see fear that way. And I'll give you another example. As people who listen to my podcast know, I'm an old school guy when it comes to technology. So even for me to start my podcast, I mean, I had to be pushed and pushed and pushed for more than a year. And, and the only reason was not because I couldn't interview anybody, not because I couldn't tell stories, but because I was scared that I wouldn't be able to put the wires in the right place and check the audio levels. And then I do an interview and then after the person walked out, nothing would be there. And it would be. I'm scared <laughs> of that every time. <laughs> okay. And so, what I realize is all right, I got to go like attack my weaknesses and I got to find out like how to do social media because now I got a podcast. Now I figured out how to put in the wires. Now I got to figure out, all right, how do you get more people to come to this? I, yeah. I have no idea. Like, why is it that somebody in Ghana is listening to my podcast? How do they find out about it? Where, where do they go to understand this? I don't know. Uh, but I also know that it comes through social media. So I better understand that. Now, I'm a guy who like texts with two thumbs to the point where my high school daughter will like rip the phone out of my hand and say, give me that and just quickly type, which is really infuriating to me because I was the fastest typer in my high school class. But I now realize, OK, I've got to take an adventure into technology and I've got to see where this world is going and I'm perfectly fine to admit what a dunce I am about this, whereas other people may not be able to do that. Other people might be ashamed to let the world know that they weren't on the cutting edge. I, I got no problem telling anybody that I am a complete dinosaur when it comes to this, but you know, a dinosaur is starting to jog and learning how to run. Yeah. A dinosaur has many advantages too. <laughs> I'm the same way when when it comes to, you mentioned being old school and what you talked about, how you traveled. I traveled pre-smartphone and you know had that immersive experience where you're just out there in the world and you're not tweeting about it or whatever. You know, you'll be happy to know I have heard some people tell me that they heard about the podcast just through old school word of mouth. And I'm always like, yeah, word of mouth. <laughs> like it's, it lives on, you know? <laughs> no, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. And I believe in, I believe in that. It's just that 
I don't know how many people are actually getting together and having these conversations. Now, maybe travelers would tend to do that. You go into a hostel and you're sitting around with all people who are traveling. So that that makes sense. So maybe you have an advantage with this traveling podcast because all travelers who bump into other travelers are going to say, hey, man, you got to listen to Jason. Technology, I struggle with it because on the one hand, right, you get to have this podcast that you have right now and you can share it with the world and, and you get the benefit from it personally and, and people get to listen in and um, not only enjoy it, but learn. But and then at the same time, you know, you you go onto a bus. I take public transportation here all the time in Oslo, and you look around and you just see people staring into screens. And I don't know. I struggle with that a little bit. It's not any of my business what anybody else is doing, but it does impact the world that we live in, right? I mean, it's it's just changing everything that's happening around you. I have a feeling that if you can break through and have conversations with those people, they're going to be even more memorable because you've gone to a different place. You've gone beyond their mobile device. And humans do want to connect. And they do want to have these personal experiences that stories come out of, that they can then tell other people. So I think if you can push through that little wall of mobile phones, you're going to find some great experiences because once you're beyond the wall, I, I just sense people are really going to want to open up. You know what? I heard this fact the other day and it was, it's a serious fact. One in four Americans now does not have a friend. I didn't read it. It was told to me by Radha Agrawal, who has a book coming out in September called Belong. And it's all about a sense of community and how people come together. And I'm sorry that the exact uh, group of psychologists who came up with this data is not on the tip of my tongue. I'm just remembering Rada telling me this with some substantial backing behind it. It's not just something that is pipe smoke or being. Sure, sure. (laughs) That's sad. One in four people in America feel like they do not have any friends. And I would wake up every day as a traveler feeling like like the whole world was my friend. (laughs) I just had to go out and meet them. Yeah. That's a really amazing way to look at travel, right? Because let's face it, if you're if you're on the road for 10 years, cuz I always say you're not at a certain point you're not traveling anymore, you're just living life. It just happens to be that your life is taking place on the road. But at certain points, I think life can go up and down and you people can get lonely on the road as well. So I think that's just such a great takeaway and such a a great mindset to have when you are traveling if you do get down. <laughs> You know what? In 10 years, I don't remember feeling a sense of loneliness while I was traveling. I mean, there were times when I was waiting for a train 
to take me to another place. And maybe the train was delayed or there was like a 10 hour wait in a drab train station that was, <laughs> didn't present a memorable travel experience, but I never felt that a sense of loneliness that I'm all alone. I don't want to be here. I just felt a sense of, you know, I wish the train would take off in 10 minutes. Do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert or neither? Maybe both. there's a middle, both. Yeah. Uh, when I'm writing, I'm an introvert. When I'm not writing, I'm an extrovert. Yeah. Because as a writer, you're, you're observing and you're taking in. I, I find just when you're traveling, that's, that happens naturally, right? Even if your natural propensity isn't to be sort of in an observer role, you kind of can't help it, right? Because you're, you're in a foreign country. You don't really know what's going on. You can't really understand what people are saying. You're trying to figure it all out. Do you think that aspect of travel has played into your career as well? This idea of... Um, because there's two levels to it. There's observing the culture around you and kind of like being in it, but not being of it. And then on the other side, there's this chameleon type of thing where if you're going to a different place, say every three days, you're still you, but people don't know you. So you can kind of take on whatever sort of personality you want in a way. So there's these, I don't know, those two aspects of travel are really interesting to me and, and thinking about how those apply to what I do right now. It's just weird. I mean, I don't know if you have any connections with, with those two particular aspects of travel, with what you're doing right now, what you have done in your career, being able to be a better listener or you know, anything that has helped you skill-wise to, do, to get where you've gotten today. I think it's had a tremendous impact because traveling around the world put me in seats next to people who didn't speak the same language. And it basically forced a game of charades on us. Yeah. Right. And so you're playing at this heightened sense of attention. Everything is a mystery and interesting. And then when you do connect on something, it's a celebration. Yeah. Yeah. We understand each other. <laughs> right. Even if it's a small thing, right? <laughs> it's the tiniest thing. That's true. And those are the little details that actually set off long relationships or can where you, you can be friendly with somebody that you don't even speak the same language. What I think happened because of that, and there may be aspects to this that are both good and bad, uh, because if once you're living like that, with that sense of mystery and exhilaration and solving the mystery, it's very hard to go back to like a humdrum life where you wake up at the same time, get in the car or the train at the same time, go into the same office, do the same job, have lunch at basically the same place, go home at the same time. It, it's very hard to do that because your whole being is accustomed to something new happening, something interesting happening. And so you're constantly seeking that out. And I think 
that really helped me as an interviewer because every time I meet somebody new, I'm back in that place. Now, maybe as like a dad who has to be changing diapers and in a certain place at a certain time uh, every day might be more difficult. You know, I managed, interestingly, through my kids' development to find things that they were interested in, that I could be interested in, that I was interested in, and we could both throw ourselves into it. And then it came like an adventure. So I think what travel ultimately taught me was whatever you do, make it an adventure. So you can be in the same place, but you can start to play an instrument and that's going to take you on an adventure. You're going to meet new people, maybe get in a band. Now you're going to be performing. People are going to see you. You're going to meet those people and your life is completely different. You've taken a trip without leaving your hometown. It's just a way of thinking about travel. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to what you said. I had a hard time getting off the road from being nomadic because that was a tough reverse transition. Did you struggle with that for a while in that oh, yeah. in between time? It was, travel is addictive. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so you have to figure out a way to either wean yourself off or just like a Band-Aid, just rip it off and say, okay, you're in this one place. You got three kids. <laughs> no. Now, you know, figure out a way to make them your adventure. And it sounds like you're doing that with your one-year-old. And I'll be interested to see or hear 20 years from now when you ask your child about all these places that you took your child to. What's your child's name? Well, I have two. We just had um, Oscar, and he's, uh, he's a month old, and then my daughter's a little over two years old. Okay. So if Oscar tells you, ah, those places don't count, uh, Norway doesn't count, <laughs> I don't remember. But I spent they, all that money, man. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. They don't care. But you, know, you probably remember this 20 years ago. Or 20 years from now, you'll be wondering, okay, was it worth it to take my kids to all these places and show them things that they forgot? Or did I implant something that is going to carry them through the rest of their lives? I don't know. It's a great question. I love what you said about just making everything an adventure. That is the best advice to get through those transitional periods, I think. Whether you're transitioning to get on the road, because a lot of people now, they're, they didn't just buy a ticket and go. They're quitting jobs and making major life changes, which is uh, something I love about getting to talk to other travelers as well. You know, when... It's not just about the travel, right? Like if they want to take off and quit their job and travel the world, they have to answer all these other big life questions. Like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, should, should I sell my house? Should I get rid of my stuff? There are all these other things that pop up, I think, speaking of big questions, because I'm fascinated by the transition that people make to start traveling the world long term. And also what we just talked about, the transition back. Um, well, I would love to meet those people who are asking those questions. I would love to sit down and 
talk with them about it, maybe even go on a bike ride with a dozen people like that, and then just stop and have some ice cream and get at this, like what they're looking for, what they're scared of, how they could pull it off. You know, a lot of this is the stuff on your website. You know, how do you make money to save for the trip? It's, a, it's, it's pretty interesting to put yourself in that position of thinking, okay, I want to go to this place. Like I can now take six months or a year. I can start studying the language. I could start making friends over there through the internet so that when I get there, I don't even need a hotel room. And I've got money that's going to cover me. And you can really become engrossed in a country that way. Now, I never did that. I'm just thinking that way because I did it the other way where I just got on a bus and it went where it was going. And I met somebody who took me into their life and introduced me to people who then pushed me in a different direction. So this is just a different way of doing it. And maybe the beauty of your, your website and your podcast is there are so many ways to do it. You just got to figure out what's best for you. Yeah, 100%. Well, listen, if you come to Norway, Oslo, you got a connection I'm, here, man. You got to come out. Yes. I'm going to come out. I, I'm going to hang with you, watch you do the diapers and laugh. <laughs> I'm going to make an excuse to get you out here. I'm going to find some way I'm plotting and scheming. Although you're in LA, right? That's a, I know it's a bit of a... You know Here's the deal. This is the great thing. I, I'm, I'm, I speak now about yeah. the power of questions. All you got to do is find somebody in Norway who... Has, works for a company. They got a conference coming up and they can have this exotic speaker from Los Angeles who's met Muhammad Ali and Robert De Niro and Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson. And he'll come out and speak at your event and I'll get to hang out with you. <laughs> Perfect. Maybe we'll take that bike ride and you guys can pedal with us. I would have about a million and one questions on all the people you've interviewed, but I, I do want to respect your time and maybe... I don't know. Maybe there's a chance of a follow-up here. <laughs> million percent, man. We could follow up from Norway. That would be fantastic. I should ask you a final question. Outside of your family and you know your close friendships, what would you say is the greatest accomplishment that you've had in your life? There's no greater accomplishment than raising your kids. It goes back to what you're saying about do it, changing the diaper. Right. And you know, I'm I'm noticing this. And now that my daughter comes back from China after her internship and you see that all the things that we wanted to put in her to give her roots and wings, they're there. And hopefully she'll be able to pass that on to her kids and they'll be able to pass that on to their kids. And that's really ultimately what it's all about. That said, it may be my greatest accomplishment is that I keep figuring out ways to keep the trip going. <laughs> and, and just find the new adventure. Hopefully, when I'm in my 90s, I'm going to be able to be doing this. 
So we'll we'll see. Uh, but I, I would I would rank that up uh, right there with having the family that you want and raising great kids. Thanks for that. Those are good uh, parting words as well. And and the newest big adventure for you is big questions with Cal Fussman, your podcast, which. As I mentioned before, I, I'm not just blowing smoke because I'm looking at Cal right on Skype. I've been listening to this podcast ever since um, I discovered it recently. And yeah, I'm loving it. So I hope you're doing this into your 90s and beyond. <laughs> well, that this is the thing. And it goes back to the beginning of our conversation. When you mentioned the word podcast and your fish shot in the air, uh, I really feel like this medium was invented for me and it's going to allow me to meet the people I want to meet and go to the places that I want to go and to do it all through where my place in life is is my podcast now you know I saw this movie the other day with Tom Cruise in it you know the latest Mission Impossible yeah I'm sure it's big in Norway too. It's big everywhere. Yeah. And there are people who like Mission Impossible and there are people who don't like Mission Impossible and might want to see an indie film. That's not important here. What's important here is that Tom Cruise has lived more than half a century. At that point, an actor is reliant on other scripts to come in and people to say, you know, can we get Tom Cruise for this? Uh, is he going to be too expensive? Is this going to work? Uh, you know, he likes to do his own st stunts. Uh, will, will we let him do those stunts? Can we get the insurance? And, and basically, he would have been dependent on other people to determine where he's going in life. He yep. has created this frame for himself where he gets to star in the movie. I'm sure he's got five screenwriters that are making sure the dialogue is exactly the way he wants it. And he is doing the stunts that he wants to do. If he wants to jump out of a helicopter, he gets to jump out of the helicopter because it's his movie. And I think I was, I really was watching that thinking very carefully about that because what he was able to do uh, in terms of being able to live the life the way he wants to live it is right on target. Now, there could be film buffs who look back and, and point to movies that he did in his distant past that were amazing and saying, Tom, why aren't you doing those? But we don't know that he would have gotten those roles now. We right. do know that he's doing exactly what he wants to do. And that is a measure of success. Going where you want to go and meeting the people you want to meet, even though you don't know if you're going to meet them when you wake up in the morning. That, to me, is what travel's all about. I love that. Thank you so much for your time, Cal. Really appreciate it. I hope we get to do this in person at some point. We will do it in Norway. Find me a speaking gig. <laughs> I'm working on it right now. That's that's the first thing I'm going to do when we get off this call. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so much. It's been wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, Cal. 
there you have it. I want to thank Cal Fussman for stopping by today's show. Oh, I have to be honest. I was totally nervous for that interview. And I had so many questions for Cal. And I know he has so many stories. And he's such a great storyteller and such an experienced interviewer that I think I got a little bit intimidated when I had the task to interview him knowing, well, he does this for a living and he's interviewed some of the biggest icons of our generation, of my generation and previous generations. And I uh, I was a little intimidated, I got to be honest. And I, I would love to do a 2.0 with Cal because I feel like we just started scratching the surface. So I'm going to do my best to get him to Norway here so we can have a 2.0 version of this in person somewhere over a beer, hopefully. So Cal, if you're listening, thank you, my friend. I really, truly appreciate it the time that you took to come on and to share your experience with uh, me and the listeners here, uh, the Zero to Travel Caravan. That's you, my friend. Yes, wherever you're listening to this in the world, uh, thank you for being a part of this global listening community. I really appreciate your presence here. And before I let you go, I'm going to give a shout out to one of you listeners out there. This is a follow-up shout out. This is a double shout out. My first double shout out, this is somebody who has been mentioned on the show before now is getting mentioned again and you'll hear why in just a second first want to quickly thank tortuga backpacks for supporting today's show zero to travel.com slash tortuga you can see the packs that i recommend there the day pack the tortuga outbreaker and then some other packs for smaller excursions or smaller trips basically they have a pack for everybody so depending on what kind of traveler you are Get into their collection. Check it out. You don't need to go all over the internet and wasting a bunch of time trying to find the perfect travel backpack. Just go to that link. Enter the promo code TRAVEL. When you check out, you get 10% off anything you order from the Tortuga backpacks. The ones I use the most are the Tortuga Outbreaker combined with their day pack. And I love that setup for traveling anywhere for any length of time and not having to check a bag. And they're durable. The zippers are awesome. One of my pet peeves, if a zipper breaks, that's that's a disaster. I've never had any issues with buckles breaking or zippers or anything ripping or anything like that. Uh, I've always had great experiences with these packs, which is why they're a partner for this show and why I wholeheartedly recommend their packs. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga, and you get 10% off for being a listener to this show just by entering the promo code TRAVEL. When you check out, if you decide to pick anything up, you'll also be supporting my show. And I appreciate you supporting my work. Either way, it's so wonderful to have you here. And thanks again for being a part of this community. And I do want to give a shout out to, well, I guess, like I said, it's a double shout out to Kenny, who said, Jason, I contacted you two years ago. And thank you for inspiring me to chase my travel dreams. You gave me a shout out on the podcast and that fueled my fire even more. I quit my job, took the not so traditional in America, quote, holiday, went on an epic adventure throughout East Asia over a month. And during that time, I came down with a lifelong sickness of the travel bug. Somehow down the line and some clever networking, I landed a dream gig where I literally get paid to travel. And not only that, I found the love of my life and my new travel companion. I first, I thought it was weird for what I'm about to say, but then I thought about it more. And you know what, Mr. Total Stranger? You are a true friend. (laughs) Thanks for the podcast and being an inspiration. P.S. Currently writing this from Africa. Amazing, Kenny. I love that. Yes. If you're here listening to this show, we are friends. I consider us friends. I mean, you spend a lot of time with me. We're hanging out. Of course, the ideal is to meet in person, but we get to hang out here. And sometimes I get to meet some of you in person. I will share a little bit on that in just a second. First, let's finish this shout out with Kenny because I wrote him back and I asked him 
I have to know what what are you doing for work? What is this gig you got to get paid to travel? And he wrote back and said, I couldn't figure out something new to do as a career and fuse it with my newfound love for travel. And then it dawned on me, why does it have to be new? By trade, I'm an aircraft mechanic and airplanes are all over the world, right? So the skill set seemed doable. It was just somehow, somewhere, there had to be a way to do both. The current American model of two weeks a year after busting butt all year just didn't sit right with me. I was fed up. Lo and behold, I found a gig where I can travel for work to fix planes all over the world a couple months at a time and then off for the same and the cycle repeats. So essentially, I only work half the year. <laughs> Basically, I get to travel for work and on my time off, I travel also, and just goes on to say, this new arrangement allows him to live life on my own terms for once, in his words. So Kenny, congratulations. So many lessons to be learned from here. Well, first of all, just breaking out of the mindset of I'm an aircraft mechanic and I have to be in one place and doing this and that's the only way to do this. He said he used some creative networking. I'm not quite sure how he pulled it off exactly. But I think the main lesson here is that he opened up his mind to this idea of, well, just because I have this skill and I think I can only do it in one place, maybe there's a way I can do it and still be traveling around because I can fix planes anywhere in the world, like he said. So he figured out a way. And that doesn't happen unless you open up your mind to the possibility and you start exploring it because that is the catalyst that's going to allow you to find those opportunities. And maybe there's a modified version of the opportunity you first dream up. Whatever the case, it's still opening your mind and allowing you to explore that and figuring out a way to travel long term. And I really think that's where it all starts. That's the key, just opening up your mind and looking at the options and taking a look at your current skill set. Maybe there's a way that you can take that on the road, even if you think it is location-dependent work and you're not going to be able to do that from anywhere. Look at Kenny go. Traveling for work, traveling for pleasure, only working half of the year now. (laughs) Well done, my friend. Congratulations. And also wanted to give a quick shout out and thanks to Ashley, who wrote me an email. She was in Oslo recently, where I'm based. And I said, I always say, hey, Let's try to meet up if you come through town. And I was able to do it. I met up with her and her mom after I was doing another interview in town that I'm going to publish later that you'll hear if you're subscribed to the feed. And uh, anyway, it was great to run into her and they were fresh off a bunch of adventures in Europe and on their way to Iceland, I believe. So if you're listening, thanks and hope you have a wonderful rest of your trip. Let me finish off with this motto. Everything is an adventure. It's something Cal mentioned today and something that I haven't thought about for a while, but has been a part of my life more and more. You may have heard, if you've listened to the show, that I just had a son a month ago at the time of this recording. And I also have a daughter who's over two now. So I'm not nomadic right now. I'm not traveling right now. And sometimes I miss the road. And I know I'm going to get back on the road with the family here. And I know I'm going to be doing my own traveling. I actually have a trip coming up in about a month back to the States. And I have more adventures planned. But having kids, I'm a little bit more rooted right now. And that's totally fine with me. I'm just in this part of life where I'm living the expat life. I'm living here in Norway. And I'm happy about that. And feeling content, but I do love adventure and I love that feeling travel gives me of adventure. And the thing is, you don't have to be traveling 
to have that feeling. And now when I take my daughter out, I always use the word adventure with her. Hey, we're going to go on a little adventure. And that's because with her, she's noticing a lot of things that I'm not noticing. I get to see certain things in this world through her, through fresh eyes. And it just is a wonderful thing. But whether you have kids or not, that's not the point. The point is that when you walk out the door and say, hey, I'm going to go on an adventure today, it does alter your mindset and allows you to approach the day differently with that sense of adventure. It's a beautiful thing. And even if you're just doing your daily commute and it's the same commute you do every day, but you say to yourself as you leave your front door, all right, let's go on today's adventure, whatever that is. Maybe that takes you in a new direction. Maybe you stop at a different coffee shop. Maybe you have an interaction you wouldn't have had before. Maybe you notice some things. You just get that spirit of adventure and travel just gives that to you more often than not. You're just in the adventure. You're in the moment. The moment is the adventure because everything's new. Everything's different. You're trying to figure things out. You're in a foreign place. It's all pretty intense and right there and visceral. But in your everyday life, it's good to remind ourselves that, hey, we have adventures in our everyday lives too, even if we're based somewhere and we're not traveling. And it took me a little while to make that transition from traveling full-time or most of the time to being stationary and not traveling as much and still getting that rush, that travel rush. So everything is an adventure. Great motto to have in the morning. Great thing to remind yourself of as you walk out your door. And I'm going to go have an adventure right now because I got to let you go. Why don't you go have your own adventures today? I'm going to leave you with a quote on Fate and Destiny from Paulo Coelho. He says, I can control my destiny, but not my fate. Destiny means there are opportunities to turn right or left, but fate is a one-way street. I believe we all have the choice as to whether we fulfill our destiny, but our fate is sealed. That's Paulo Coelho. I don't know. Our fate is sealed. Paulo, I don't agree with you, but I thought I'd share this quote because it'll give you something to think about. Fate and destiny. How do you feel about those two things? There you go. There's some something to think about after this podcast. <laughs> As if you didn't have enough to think about already. Okay, I'm going to let you go. Thanks for your time. And I will see you next time, my friend. Take care. Have a wonderful day. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 